Hey, before we get started this morning, I want to do something. Steve Terrell, uh, Parker Hughes, still in here with me? Parker, would you guys come up here? Michelle, would you guys come up here for a second? Hey, uh, you guys know October is uh, uh, Staff Appreciation Month. And you guys have done everything, but I haven't. I haven't recognized them. I'm going to recognize them again, right? These guys can't get too much of it. So, uh, Michelle, I don't know what I'd do without this woman. She is, uh, for those of you visiting, this is my wife also. She's also our administrative assistant. Uh, so in life, in church, in everything we do, couldn't live without her. Amen. Parker? Young man, thank you for everything you do. Tirelessly hangs out with these youth. Uh, goes to youth events, goes to mission trips, and guess what? Students are getting saved. So thank God for you, Parker. Steve Terrell, my brother, thank you. Steve never fails. If there is any trip that has to do with music, Steve knows that his name is just penciled in. Uh, he doesn't get asked. He just, his name gets penciled in. It was like a prison trip one time. He said, well, I didn't sign up for that. And Ashley goes, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> so thank you for, uh, hey, and another quick thing, small groups. When we needed to get some other small group leaders, I called him and John Goad into my office one night, and I just told them what, it, what we needed. And before I could really explain anything, here was Steve's comment. I'm ready to do whatever we need to do. So I am thankful, thankful for a man like that that serves alongside of me. Because when somebody says, I'll do whatever we need to do, we can get some stuff done. Amen? So if you would, give one more round of applause this week for, for this staff. Thank you guys. I love you guys. Now that that's kind of done, now i got one other thing. Uh... I don't know. I've been at this church for six years as youth pastor, two and a half as pastor now, and I can honestly say I have never felt more appreciated and more loved than this year. You guys have flooded us with, with so many things to just say that you appreciate us that I can't thank you enough. I, 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 it is an honor to serve you guys, uh, each and every one of you. It is a, it is a true honor. Uh, we ultimately, we serve God, but he calls us to love and serve you. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for recognizing uh, the sacrifices that the staff, that me and my wife make. Uh, you guys are worth it. Amen? Amen? All right, enough of the mushy stuff. Let's get started today, right? Hey, grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, And you, he made alive who were dead and trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. 
just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, that's ten verses, but man, there is so much in those few verses right there. And the one thing I want us to really hone in on today, where we're going to be, is in verse 8. And that is, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith alone. Sola fida. We got any Latin speakers in here today? Sola fida, faith alone, only faith, are we saved. That's going to kind of be our point today. And where do we get sola fida? Well, it come from the Reformation. It come from the Reformation. Any of you guys know what Tuesday is? Reformation Day, right? We all knew that, right? And you was thinking Halloween, it is Reformation Day. Anybody, just by show, does anybody know what Reformation is? The Reformation? Good. I'm in the right crowd today, right? So we will have some listeners. How about Martin Luther? Anybody heard of him? A couple? Now, either you guys don't know a lot, or you guys are just not willing to raise your hand today. All right? Now, I've got to confess something today. All right? As an early believer, which was not that long ago, I remember hearing about Martin Luther. And so one day I looked Martin Luther up. And I look and I'm like, well, this is a, this is a white dude. What? Martin Luther. I'm, and, but I was thinking Martin Luther King, right? The, the man that, that championed civil rights in the city. So when I seen Martin Luther was a German guy, back in the 1500s, it really confused me. So if any of you guys are still confused today, you're in good company, okay? You're right there with me. Martin Luther, back in 1500, I want to, here's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about sola fide, which is by faith alone. But out of the Reformation came five things. And that was by scripture alone, by faith alone, by for God's glory alone, for Christ alone, there was one more. Steve? That was the moment I need you paying yeah, attention. There was one other one, but we're not focused on them today, all right? We're going to focus on sola fida, all right? So look, listen, in the Reformation, I, what I'm wanting to do is bridge us the gap. You guys remember last week we talked about Romans 10, chapter 1. And Paul said, my heart's desire... My, what I beg for, what I yearn for is for Jerusalem 
to be saved, which is what we could say about Lake City, right? You guys remember me talking about that? That I want us to have our heart's desire, our yearning, our burning inside for Lake City, all of Lake City, to be saved. But I realized something last week that we can't go there yet until we realized how much we've been saved. Right? So beginning next week, we're going to do a short series up till Thanksgiving. And it's called Living a Life of Thanksgiving. And that first week is being thankful for being saved and understanding that. Because from that comes everything. Right? You cannot have a heart for this entire city to be saved. I mean a true heart without understanding how, how much you had been saved from. Yeah? So today is kind of, kind of bridge that gap of how do we get saved. Right? So Martin Luther... German man, back in the 1500s, early 1500s, his dad was a miner. Uh, They mined copper and stuff of that, and he was a smelter, his dad was. Well, Martin Luther was a pretty smart young fella. So his dad sends him off, sends him off to school and wants him to be a lawyer, right? Sends him off to be a lawyer because dad wants him to work in the family business, and he's probably going to need a lawyer, Right? So he sends him off. He goes through his school. He's almost finished. He's traveling back home one night, and a storm hits. A storm like you could not imagine, because for whatever reason, that night, Martin Luther fell to his knees, and he told God, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever it is you want me to do, I will do whatever you want me to do. Within days from that night, he went and he joined a monastery became a monk now this did not make his dad happy right but that's okay kids are in the business of not making their parents happy parents can I get an amen (laughs) thought it was just me right they're not in the business of making their kids happy but here's the awesome thing is he was doing what God told him to do we should do what God tells us to do unless mom tells us maybe Maybe, right? So he goes off, he joins the monastery, and now in this, Martin Luther is the type of guy that he just, he immerses himself into this. He is, I mean, he is prayers every day, he is, he is in it. He, he loves the robe, right? The uncomfortable, stitchy, itchy robe, he loves it because he thinks it makes him closer to God. And through this, he's, he's doing all these things, and he's thinking that he's getting closer to God by doing these things. He is a very devout Catholic. Now, in the 1500s, you got to understand, the Roman Catholic Church was the church. To be quite honest, in the Western civilization, it was the only legal church. Now, do you get that? It's the only legal church. That's, that's foreign to us, isn't it? That a church would be legal. It would would be like saying that in the United States you could only have a Southern Baptist church. There would be something wrong with that, right? That's what was going on back then. There was only one church, and it was the Roman Catholic Church. Now, Martin Luther was a very good one. And he loved the Roman Catholic Church, and he loved all about it because he was trying to draw closer to God, and he wanted to be closer to God. He takes a trip one time, and he goes to the pinnacle of, of the Roman Catholic Church. 
and he's, he's getting to be a part of it. And he's even beside this priest that, that even says one day, you know, because, listen, in the Catholic religion, when they take the Lord's Supper, they believe that the bread, when they say, this is my body that was broken for you, they truly believe that the bread becomes the body of Christ and that you are taking it in. They believe that when it says, here is the cup, they truly believe that in that moment, something magical happens and that the wine becomes the blood of Christ in that moment. So Martin Luther, being the, the good Roman Catholic, he's, he's excited to be a part of this. And a priest goes, bread it was and bread it'll be tomorrow. This crushed Martin Luther because he's seeing all these rituals that take place and it was all for show and it was all just for nothing. And he goes back home and he is, he's disappointed. Disappointed. And Martin Luther is the type of guy that, that he wants to be so close to God that he continues his stuff and he, he is a confessor. I mean, so much so that, the, that the, the priest that is hearing Martin Luther's confessions gets tired of hearing him and says, dude, I got to send you somewhere else. So he sends him off to this other school in Wittenberg. Now, if you're a good German, that would be Wittenberg, all right, with a V. Sends him off over there, and there's this one man that kind of takes him, and he sees how Martin Luther is, and he goes, you know what? This man is driving himself nuts with trying to do all of these good works for God, what I need to do is put him teaching. Because I could see that this man would wear himself out with teaching every day and he would have no time to worry about those things at the end of the night. So he does that and it works. But Martin Luther keeps thinking back about all these things that he's seen inside the church and how it, and all of a sudden he's reading scripture. Now, Here's something else you got to understand. Grab your Bible. Is everybody holding their Bible? Let, let me explain something to you. In 1500, no one owned a Bible. Right? You know who owned the Bible? The priest. You know who could read the Bible? The priest. Normal people, you and I, we, we wouldn't have been reading the Bible. We wouldn't even have owned a Bible let less be able to read it because people in that time, even in Germany, the Bibles were written in Latin and Greek, and there was no way that they even understood that. The common man did not know any other language, right? So they did not have a Bible in their hands. So you know what they did? They, they took what the priest said, right? They took what the priest said as the gospel. No pun intended, Right? But Martin Luther, he could read Latin. He was a very educated man, and he could read Latin. And he began reading, reading verses much like Ephesians 8. And he would come across something like Ephesians 8, and he would go, For by the grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. He read another verse that said, And the just shall live by faith. And all of a sudden, everything about the church is starting to seem a little off. Because what he was reading was not matching up. Now, here was the, here was the boiling point for Martin Luther. It was a man came to town 
working for the Pope. They wanted to rebuild St. Peter's Chapel. This Pope, it was Leo Pope, I think he was the, the 10th, and he had done squandered money. He was a good banking man. He was a horrible Pope, and he was a devious man, and he was no good at all if you read anything about him. But he needed more money. So here's what he came up with. And this is something that the Roman Catholic Church had been already doing. But he, he hired this marketing guy to come to town, and he was good at it. And he began selling indulgences. Now here's what an indulgence was. It was your get-out-of-free get card, only it was not free. You see, the only way you could make it to heaven was for the church to say that you was going to heaven. For you to be connected with the church. It had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with what the church told you to do. And if you did these certain things, you could get to heaven. Heaven's door was opened and closed by the Roman Catholic Church, so they thought. They would sell these indulgences... And they would, they would come into this town and they would say, hey, all these sins you've been committing, would you like them washed away and would you like to go to heaven? Just give us a half a year's salary and you can have this indulgence on a pretty piece of paper. People were buying them right and left, right? Because you've got to understand, they didn't have a Bible. All they were doing was listening to what the church was telling them. And the church was telling them, you're not going to go to heaven unless you buy one of our indulgences. Or you may be going to heaven, but if you'd like to spend a little less time in purgatory where they're beating and, and burning the sins out of you, if you'd like to shorten that time, we've got another piece of paper for that. So they were selling them right and left. Right? A half a year's salary. Can you imagine? But they knew no different. So Martin Luther looked at this, and all of a sudden he said, Something is wrong with this picture. You people are selling salvation. And from what I read, salvation comes by one thing and one thing only. By grace, through faith. That is the only way. It is a gift of God and it cannot be sold. So Martin Luther pins out 95 theses, 95 fiery darts at the Pope and the church. Now listen, Martin Luther was still a good Roman Catholic. He was not trying to undermine the church. He was just trying to say, you people have got to stop this. He was just saying, you have got to quit trying to sell salvation. So he writes these 95 theses against the church and against the Pope, and he nails it to the Wittenberg church door. Because that's where the social discussion begins, is at the church door. Nails it to it. That's where the storm hit. Because now all of a sudden, the people begin hearing about this. And the people start getting fired up about this. And they're like, you mean it's not about these rituals? You mean... You mean the church really can't tell me if my kid can be baptized or not? You mean the church really has no authority to say who I can marry and who I can't? 
You mean the church really has no authority over if I want to will something? You see, the church could, could legitimize your marriage. If, if this man and this woman wanted to be married and the church said, no, you're not going to be married, guess what? They weren't married. Early on, if, if they didn't want to christen your baby, if they didn't want to baptize your baby early on, guess what? Your baby wasn't baptized. Well, you know what that meant? In, in the Catholic church, if your baby wasn't baptized, guess what? Your baby was going to hell. And in the end, if you wanted to wheel everything you had to your family, guess what? If the church said, no, we're going to take that, you could do nothing about it. So Martin Luther was saying, that, that's, that's jacked up. You're owning us from birth to death. And that's not what Scripture says. So that's what these 95 theses was about. So, so the Pope writes him a letter and says, Martin Luther, you gotta, you got to take that back. And he says, no, I'm not taking it back. I can't take it back. I've read it. So they even, they even said, listen, Martin Luther, you, you better take it back or we're going to excommunicate you for heresy. Now, I understand that in this day and age, church discipline is not what it used to be. But back then, when you got excommunicated for heresy, you know what happened to you? Oh, lots of great things. Either, either drowning or burning at the stake. You know, because the church was not going to shed blood. And that's the way they got past that. Was they would either drown you or burn you to death. So that was Martin Luther's, that was kind of his future, so to speak. So they kept telling him, Martin Luther, you better take that back or you're going to be excommunicated. And Martin Luther got them papers that day with the, with the seal of the Pope at the bottom. You know what he did? He took it to a bonfire that night and he threw it in. He said, I'm telling you, I'm not taking it back because it's wrong. These rituals are wrong. From what I read, we are saved by grace, through faith. Not by our own works. Not by these rituals that we do every day. But by God alone. By faith alone. Now the thing that really got that going was a few years later... He translated, just to get back at the church, he translated the Bible into German. So then all of a sudden, guess what? Everybody could read it. Everybody had a Bible. Everybody had one in their hand. If you have a Bible in your hand right now, you could thank Martin Luther for that. Because he played a role in that. That if that time would have never taken place on October 31st, 1517, we would still be listening to a priest today and just feeding and just eating what they tell us. But if you have a Bible in your hand today, it is because Martin Luther said the people should have a Bible in their hand and it, it is for them to read and they shall see that it's not about rituals, but that it is, it is by grace through faith that they will be saved. The Reformation began. That's funny. This was 1517, and, and by the time he'd done the Bible and stuff, it was 1521, 
somewhere around there. You guys remember what happened in 1542? No? And I'm hoping my date's right. I'm going to have to ask Brad Muir after this. He's my history guy. I know it. I th- was, it was it 1542 that Columbus sailed the ocean blue? 1492. I'm not even going to use that illustration. I knew I was wrong as soon as I said it. Brad, me and you need to get together. It did. Because it was, it was the, the, Gutenberg, the Gutenberg printing press is what printed the new German Bible. All right? So in this, that is when the Reformation started. That is when all of a sudden we were no longer part of the Roman Catholic Church. Now all of a sudden, now the church was completely different. The church said... It's not about a hierarchy. It's, it's about individuals knowing that they can be saved by God and God alone. That they don't need somebody in between them and God. Right? We need no intercessor. We have an intercessor. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we all are a royal priesthood. If we read in Hebrews, it says that we are all a royal priesthood because when the veil was torn, you guys remember that? That it said that, that on the day when, when he said that it is finished and, and it, darkness covered the earth and all of a sudden the earthquake hit, it said the veil was torn. The veil was torn. Which references back to the old temple, the tent. We're of the holiest of holies that that only the priest, the one priest could go into and be in the presence of God. That veil was ripped from top to bottom so that you and I can be in the presence of God ourselves. No longer does God reside in a tent, in a temple, in a building. He resides in you and I. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. If we believe. It is not about works. It's not about a clenched hand of working. It is about throwing out an open hand and just receiving. There is no work in this world that we could do that would ever get us to heaven. Nothing. Nothing. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh yeah, there is. I mean, you know, you, if, if you sing the right, if you sing out of the right Baptist hymnal, we're going to get there, right? If we come to church Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday night, if we speak the right language, if we talk the right way, if we, if we stay away from the wrong things and we, we just do the good things, we're going to make it to heaven. If we talk the right way, if, if, we, if we've learned our Christianese very well, If we know what sanctification and justification is, we're going to make it because we're going to work hard. That is not what Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that while you are at your worst of worsts, while you were still a sinner, not after you got it all cleaned up, He said, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. 
Christ died for you. He didn't say, get your act together, and then you can receive what my son did. He said, receive what my son did, and he'll get your act together. Because when we realize that what we have is a gift given by God, and there is no other way to get it other than believing what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that he traded his righteousness for a sinful nature and traded our sinful nature for righteousness, only then, only then will our lives change. Only then. Let me tell you something. People that have been on the edge of death know how to live. Right? Those of us that have not got close to death, we don't know what's important. I tell you what, the older I get, the more it becomes apparent of what is truly important in this life. And at a young age, we don't get it. We're striving for stuff. And in the end, all we're looking for is a Savior. We would get the Savior early on. Man, what life would be. You know, I have one regret in this life, and that, that was I was only saved at 35. I wished I could go back, and I wished I could give my entire life to him. I wished I could give my teenage years. I wish I could give him my young years. Because, man, I would do some stuff. I'm still trying with everything I got. Why? Because I know that I was once dead. I was dead in my trespasses. And I was part of that group that was being controlled by the devil. I was one of those sons of disobedience. And all of a sudden, about the age 35, God said, hold up. That's not the way you ought to be living. And he got a hold of me. Right? And he made me alive. I became alive at that moment. And I knew that what I had was a gift from God. Now, if he's going to give it to me as a gift, what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? You see, because here's the great thing about that gift. It's for you. But it's just passing through you. You get every benefit of it. But it's just passing through you. These students. Sarah and Maya. Listen. The gospel has come to them and it's just heading through them. There's no telling who's going to hear the gospel and going to be saved just like these two young ladies today. Because listen, it's come to them, but it's on its way somewhere else too. That's what we're called to do. To be made alive and then to tell others how to do it also. And it's a gift. It's a gift. You get that. You didn't pay for it. You didn't deserve it. You deserved death. You deserved hell. We still deserve hell today. That's not what we get. Because of his grace. And through grace, by faith, we are saved. So there's the bridge. There's the bridge for next week. 
is that I want us to truly see and be thankful next week for being saved. But I wanted us to get today that it's nothing you can do. Okay? It's nothing you can do today and it's nothing you have done yesterday that earns you anything. All right? So you know what that pretty much does? It makes us all pretty much equal, right? We were all just poor sinners. So regardless of what we have in this life, guess what? We're all the same. You know, we was at the, over at Cornerstone last night. We had a wonderful time bonfiring with these ladies that just come out of prison. Bethany sent us a text right after that. And she said, I am so thankful that you guys would come over here. And Michelle just shot her text back and says, listen, it's a blessing every time we come. Well, what she sent back was very profound. Here's what she said. She said, these ladies, what they love so much about First Baptist Church Lake City is, is you guys want to be with them. They don't understand that. They just cannot believe that people would really just want to love on them and be around them. You know what kind of people love on the the ones that's on the fringe and the worst of the worst? You know what kind of people love on them people? The people that know that they're the worst of the worst too. But we were saved by grace through faith. That makes us equal. That makes us equal. And we can love on everybody because there is nobody worse than us. There is nobody better. There is nobody worse. But it is nothing that we do. The doing comes after. Amen? Amen. Because once we know what gift we've got, that changes the way we live. So if your life today, if if you take a look at your life right now, and if you take the way that you have been living, and if it looks nothing like what God would want you to do, you might ought to talk to him about your salvation. You may not have really received what he gave you. Or... Maybe you don't fully understand what he's given you. And you just need to spend some more time with him. Because those that encounter God changed. Changed. And are being changed. Day by day. By God. Not by rules. Not by works. But by God day by day. So there we go. Steve comes, I'd like for you to stand. And that's our evaluation today. That's what we're going to look at. That's, what, that's how I want you to look at your heart today. Is this. Is for you, because you won't do it Monday, you won't do it Tuesday, you won't do it Wednesday. I want you to take just a few minutes and look at your life. Look at your life. You see, we have scripture now that tells us exactly how Jesus was and exactly what he wants from us. And it's not hard. It's written in very plain language. So today, look and see, does your life line up with that? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, that's where he calls for repentance. Repentance.
That's where he calls for us to turn from the world and turn to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you do that today. Do that today. And here's why I ask you to do it. Because you're missing out. If you have received your get out of hell free card and then you just begin living your life like you always have, you are missing out. God has many things to give to you. But he gives them to those that are obedient. He gives them to those that are obedient. Scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that things can change. Today is the day that you can stop living like you are and start living like you could be. The life that he has for you. Keeps telling us, quit chasing after the world. It's just going to be heartache. But chase after me and it's joy. There's a reason he says, take my yoke. It's easy. Father God, we give you just a few minutes. God, we we pray. We know that words of men never change hearts. God, we know the songs of men never change hearts. God, it is only your spirit that, that pierces us to the deepest parts inside of us. So, God, we give you just a moment. God, please work on us. God, begin changing what you want changed. God, begin showing us what needs to be changed. God, in Ephesians, it says that we are chasing after fleshly things. It was in the flesh where we were dead. It was on the spirit side where we can be alive. faithful never give up never give up on me you are able to finish all you started in me you are stable through every change that this life can bring you remain you are faithful You never give up, Lord, you never give up on me. You are able to finish all you started in me. You are stable through every change that this life can bring. You remain the same. 
we're not thankful for a God that does not change. A God that is faithful to us. Even when we are unfaithful to him. He's faithful to keep tugging at us. Even when we're in the middle of a messed up life, he is still tugging at us. And he's telling us. He's telling us to come back to him. And we know it. We feel it. We sense it. We have to fight to live a life away from God if we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to fight against him. We got to quit fighting against him and just start saying yes to him. Even in small ways, that's when things will change. Steve said at the beginning of this service, wouldn't it be great if we could baptize every Sunday? We could. But you know what it takes? It takes an army, an army of people that know that they have been saved from hell and don't want anybody else to go there. And it is those people that all of a sudden begin dragging their friends to church and begin telling them about Jesus. Listen, I want us baptizing every week and I want none of them to be led by the Lord by me. That's when we'll know we're winning. That's when I know that we're charging the gates of hell with water pistols. Right? Is that when people are being saved and it is by us. Not by me. By us. And when it is us, this whole town could be saved. It'll never be saved just by me, by Steve, by a handful. It has to be us. Us, the church, the big C church, us. But God, I pray that's us. We pray for us as we leave today. Father God, God, I pray that, that today, God, you have stirred something in us. God, that you have touched on something that changes us. Heaven help us if we walk out those doors the same as we walked in. God, we are called, called to look more and more like your son, to learn how to live in heaven right here on earth. God, I pray we did that in a little way today. God, I pray that what we've offered up to you today was honoring to you. God, be with us as we leave today. Be with each family. Be with each person. God, may they each know what a gift it is that you have given us. God, we pray this in Jesus' name.